and it's a beautiful day to have a beautiful day. A GM, GM on this beautiful day. But good morning, the nephews. We put up on seven mando. Got the alpha on web three, and it's all on rock radio. It's a beautiful day. Yo, 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 what up, what up, good morning, good morning, GMGM, Monday, ouch, October 17th, 2022, look at that, another beautiful day, to have a beautiful day, the sun shining in the metaverse, I hope everybody touched grass this weekend, or, you know, use the weekend to get ahead a little, but at the end of the day, I hope you called your mama, um, and uh, I hope you had a great one. Oh, Sam, Mando, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? We're vibing. Yeah, man, how are you? We're vibing. We're always vibing. I, I'm hearing reports that you guys are physically together, reunited once again. We are. We are. We are. We are. Opposite sides of the room. Are you guys holding hands? We were for a In while, spirit. the first six hours that we were next to each other, and then we, for the last 30 minutes, we decided to sit uh, away from each other. In spirit, we are, though. <laughs> you guys are so cute. <laughs> the thing is, like, I can legitimately picture you guys, like, hosting the show um, while holding hands. Um, and it just cracks me up every time. <laughs> that, that sound that comes on the Daily Show every single day, is that you going into some sort of cookie jar? Or like, wh- what? What is that? Oh, sound? this. Yeah, yeah, that's so the one. I, this one. <laughs> I have um. So my the best thing I have in my whole office, and I have a lot of cool things here, um, is um an iPhone stand. Um, and so usually I walk around like right now I'm rocking around, and then I'm gonna go sit down because let's say I'm gonna go to OSF or to you, and I'll just go like this. <laughs> I, I just thought you had a ma- in my head for the last six to seven months. You've just had a massive like cookie jar in your office, and <laughs> occasionally you just dip into it. No, no, actually, um, we don't do any of that stuff. Uh, fortunately, uh, or fortunately, actually, I uh, I don't um, I don't I don't munch on cookies. Actually, I don't think I eat until a uh, couple hours after the show. Uh, so no, but you know what? I could use a cookie jar. I'm gonna ask Vanessa if uh, you know. She could make me a few cookies so that I could munch on during the show uh, because I love cookies. I don't know about you guys. What kind of cookie is your favorite cookie? I don't really have a sweet tooth, so <laughs> I would say none of them. Yeah, just, just basic chocolate chip cookies is good for me. Yeah, yesterday morning I did have um, – I was craving sweets after like four days of like pain meds. I got sick of soup, and I had a, a vanilla chocolate chip cookie or whatever the fuck. It was delicious. But anyways – Anyways, today on the show, I mean, another great week. Damn, the last couple of weeks were really incredible. I mean, I know I say that every week, uh, every Monday. I say, wow, the last couple of weeks were a really good show. Uh, but you know what? It is great. So for everybody, if you want to catch last week's guest, because we had a lot of great guests, um, it's on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, YouTube, and whatnot. We're actually about to start posting YouTube shorts. Uh, the clips are doing great. I love that jazz. I don't know if you saw, but Hypebeast, they have this brand uh, for Web3 called Hype Moon. And they quoted like the clips that you made for people yesterday when they were talking about his uh like his factory. So but that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Oh, sir, your mic, your mic is like whoa, whoa, whoa. 
my uh jazz your mic is not working <laughs> so, that mic is not working um there was echo and also you sound as far but i know you were excited you were probably really really excited bringing a lot of happiness to the show right now uh so <laughs> i don't know if you can try again where, uh, again uh for a second if not, i'll just go right to the market report let's try one more time jazz jazzy baby Jazz, jazz, jazz. No, not working. All right. Today on the show, today, oh, he got rubbed. Jesus. Oh, he's gone. All right. Well, today on the show, uh, we have macro plus NFT daily summary and, you know, weekend recap. Bored Bell Club and proof meetups. Oh, yeah. So they were in London. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you went. Uh, Magic Eden goes 0% royalties. Yeah, I know. We're talking about royalties again. Uh, it was like the conversation all weekend long. You guys must be really sick and tired of it by now. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, and then, can ex- um, external revenue streams support NFC price? So, a couple ideas, I guess. Uh, Mando, Mando set up the titles today. Uh, and I know he was uh, he had a lot of ideas when it comes to secondary streams of income. And then, Live Art. Live Art sponsor today is going to come and talk about Metamorphic. Super cool. It's a Web3 platform for art and culture. So, uh, speaking of platforms, um, you know, we're going to have them come uh, later towards the end of the show and chat about what they're up to. I know there's a premium going on for Rug Radio holders right now in the Rug Radio holders chat. So if you have a Rug Radio membership pass or Genesis NFT, uh, you should definitely head there uh, and uh, check it out. But with that, with that, with that, with that, with that, with that, without further ado, let's get into this market. Because when I don't hear about the market over the weekend, I always wake up on Monday like complete loss and I don't know what the hell is going on. So let's get right into it. Daily Market Report. Brought to you by Rug Radio. Yeah, hey guys, stuff is like um, bouncing back pretty strongly this morning. Um, Flick at stocks, SPX is up 2.5%, NASDAQ is up 3.3%. We've seen a a bit of a rally in in rates. Um, I think they're still basically kind of like at the highs of the year, but we've seen maybe like a six or seven basis point rally off um, like the max highs. Um, I think oil's heading in the right direction. We're actually a decent amount lower on a weekly basis. Um, and then like crypto is doing well, like we're back to 19 and a half K on, on Bitcoin, we're up to 1330 or so on ETH. Um, but yeah, on the whole, like all risk assets are, are rallying once again. So this is like, um, I don't know the third or the, f- I think this is the third or the fourth time we've like tested these lows and seem to have bounced off like pretty aggressively. Um, there's a lot of like talk about there being like a big Q4 rally. I don't know if you guys are trying to find the tweet, but like Raul, um, Raul Powell put out a good tweet which overlaid like historical price performance um, for the month of October, which is usually um, when you have these cycles, usually when you see bottom, like at least local bottoms form and then like an aggressive bounce back. So um, I don't know if that's what we're seeing right now, but it's definitely um, conducive to that theory, I would say. Um, like I said, I think last time, I think there's this big theory that like we'll have this huge Q4 like rally and then like new lows again in, in 2023. And so far that seems to be playing out. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, and it's like a, a definitely a strong day to uh, to start the week. Wow. Well, you love to hear that. So it is a good day today on the market. Uh, let me look at, I haven't even looked at the prices just yet. But okay, that's good to hear. Anything we need to be uh, looking forward to? Yeah, it's ETH. 1333 it's so funny how it's a good day now for us like yeah ETH is 1300 let's go <laughs> it's pretty depressing uh anything to oh wow matic and your favorite look at that chart 
It's looking good. Yeah, they had a bit of a they had a bit of a swing. Like some of those alts were like really swung from Friday. I think Matic was at seventy one at one stage, um, and then swung all the way back. Uh, ETH, like I don't know. Like it, it feels like this has been tested quite a few times. Like like uh, Obi just said, and. Crypto keeps on outperforming and it also keeps on like not breaking through those support levels. So it's difficult to say because each one of these um, tests and then uh, supports feels like a moment where you should buy. And then we've never really accelerated past like 1400 on ETH. We've kind of just traded in a tight range. Um, but if macro does like uh, pick back up again, then yeah, I think this is um, this is not a bad time to, to, to potentially put on longs. Um, I just... I feel like your downside is probably back to like 1250 area, but your upside could be very big if, if that macro uh, uh, strength gets sustained. Oh, well, I guess we'll see what's good there. Wizard, good morning. GM, what's up, boys? What's going on? How's the knee going? How's the what? Oh, that knee's hurting, man. Knee's hella hurting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, Kanye won't walk, man. It's like fucking max arthritis, probably, but we love it. <laughs> wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, wait, echo. Echo. oh, shit. Oh, shit. Sorry, Wiz. My bad. We have an echo on your side, so I need to mute for you to start. But when, when, Wiz is, when Wiz's knee is hurting, um, usually it's a sign that the, 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 the market's going higher. Is there anything we need to look forward to, like OV, or Wizard, like in terms of like numbers or expectations or whatnot? Or can we just like chill for a second when it comes to macro? I feel like we did a lot of macro last week. Yeah, so I mean, so right now the big thing, so the reason, one of the reasons we're pumping today, obviously, is earnings, right? So Bank of America, like bank earnings, so bank, bank stocks are kind of fueling this rally today. Um, it's, man, it's, you know, it's what we talked about, I think the last time I was on, which was, I think it was like right after CPI or the day of CPI or something. I think it was a day of CPI. And it's market, people just think, you know, it's that everything depends on just macro or just technicals. But a big part is market positioning. And if you're in a crowded trade, uh, you know, your upside is so like, the contrarian always wins, right? If you're right, like, that's how the odds work. So everyone was so short. Uh, going into that CPI and right after that CPI they like smashed it so hard and you didn't even have like a single I don't even think there was a five minute candle that closed below 1200 uh, that day on ETH and I was just like all right I mean we literally I mean we were all pretty bullish on here I remember Amanda was talking about it too but what I think is right now is uh, the earnings the big uh, worry was there's going to be earnings apocalypse I mean, you just saw it like every news article over the last few weeks, like earnings apocalypse. So today we had a good earnings from Bank America. Uh, that looks, you know, b banking stocks when they did good, that's obviously a, a very good sign. Uh, you know, semis are kind of doing okay, but I think uh, the big macro right now is just earnings. If earnings keep chugging, if uh, dollars kind of you know uh, breaking below its one twelve point two five five level, that's good. Uh, rates are kind of you know uh, eased up. I mean. They're not down that much, unfortunately, but uh, at least they've stopped pumping like crazy. I mean, think to your notes around like 4.4%. So that's, you know, a little bit like six, seven basis points lower. But yeah, I think the next thing is just earnings um, because everyone's just watching earnings. If er the risk on earnings is just if earnings come uh, on close to expectations, it doesn't have to be expectation. If it comes close to expectation, I think all the risks is still to the upside. Like stocks are still down really bad. Uh, Crypto is kind of okay because it's just been range bound at twelve fifty to thirteen fifty. 
But if you do get some good earnings like today over the next few days uh, this week, I think uh, you're going to see a pretty great week and we could test that 1400 again. So, yeah, that's just kind of my thoughts right now. That's good to hear. Oh, but remember that range? The, the range is very bullish for NFTs, FYI. Just, if you guys have been seeing NFTs, obviously, over the last little while, there's actually a pretty strong mini bull run happening in NFTs. So, uh, you know, the, the this range is a boon for us NFT people. You, you know what? Like, I, it, you know, there is, I did tweet that out uh, yesterday morning, but there's a reason why there's an NFT bull uh, coming back. First of all, Gary V, uh, someone said NFTs are dead, and he said nope. He just said, nope, there you go. And even his Jets won, so that's a sign number one. And sign number two, um, Shaq said, and I quote him yesterday, 11.39 a.m., don't bother looking down. We're not going that way. So I'm not going to like reenact his voice, but that's what Shaquille O'Neal said. So that's all you need to know for market analysis today when it comes to macro and NFTs. We can wrap up the show. Uh, <laughs> he has to see. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty funny tweet. He goes, don't bother looking down. We're not going that way. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't think anyone can look down on Shaq, though. I mean, dude. Seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll, mean. Dude, I'll never forget hosting Shaquille O'Neal uh, on Spaces. Sadly, it was never recorded. It was with Hunter back then. And then at the end of an hour and a half conversation, he's like, uh, he's like, are we done now? My knees are hurting. I've been sitting on a toilet bowl this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking back. I'm like, damn, I've hosted some funny-ass rooms, and that was one of them. It was great, though. We did raise, like, $2 million for charity, but it, it was like, it was, <laughs> I'll never forget, man. I wish it was recorded. And then he did invite us all to his house, but I'm sure he doesn't even remember who the fuck I am now. So anyways, with that, I really want to talk about NFTs. That's what I'm really here to talk. Macro this, macro that, macro daddy of the land. GM, GM, guys. So, weirdly, the, the, the real collection of the last week that's come out of nowhere has been this genuine undead, which we kind of picked on maybe at the start of last week when it kind of pumped all the way up to like 0.2, uh, 0.3 area, and now it's sitting at 0.8. Um, there doesn't really seem to be that much more about the project other than the big partnership with Lacoste and the idea that there, are, there is a, like a bunch of very, very strong diamond-handed, apparently, um, main collectors involved in that one. But that's a project which has been out for for a while now. So it's been a little bit surprising um, to see that one kind of have a slow run-up. Um, but yeah, that's still hanging out like 0.8. It's definitely taking the focus of the market. Um, Board Apes... Uh, and mutants and other side were the next three main collections. So board apes were back up to about 79 area. Um, have been pretty strong, I think. Uh, surprising given given the weakness in ape versus eth. Um, it also looks like the staking seems to have been delayed at least by another week. There seems to be um, they're doing some more like work to see if there's any issues with the contract, and that looks to at least delay it until mid November. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of anger i think about that because a lot of the token unlocks will start to come in early next year and i think the idea is that if this keeps on getting delayed they might they might start to coincide with some of those token unlocks which would look pretty shady um given that would give like an easy exit for some of the vcs that were kind of involved in the um initial ape coin uh sale but yeah so that's that's taking the focus of the market there um mutants as well seem to be doing okay um and other side is still hanging out 
hanging out just below two, but definitely seems to be a, a relatively strong um, period, at least for, for, for that complex, even on the back of the SEC uh, news and the um, news about staking being delayed and APE going down. So I've been, I've been genuinely surprised at that. Um, obviously, the focus of the market seemed to be, again, on Magic Eden and the idea that they are going to go to 0%, or uh, well, at least they're going to allow 0% royalties on their platform. Um, not a standard, but that took the focus for a lot of the Solana-based projects and kind of dominated the narrative over the over the majority of the weekend. Um, I saw CryptoPunks went slightly down, kind of down to about 65 area. Suzuki still trading strong. Obviously, you're still, still waiting some upcoming announcements there and, and Moonbirds um, kind of hanging out until around 10. So no real other big movers. I think it was a, a quiet week yesterday in particular was one of the quieter. Or Sundays is always the quietest day, but very, very low volumes. Um, but yeah, seems to be a decent day. Like as Wiz said, we are in a strange period here where volumes haven't really picked up meaningfully. They, they're definitely higher than where they were, let's say, a month ago. Remember, we said that the the, the peak bear market was in um, was end of August, early September. Since then, majority of prices have gone up higher. Um, volumes trended up initially, and now they seem to kind of have leveled off. But we're definitely not doing so badly. Um, as Punko9059 came on the show and said the other day, it's very, very difficult to work out volumes at the moment because the um, it's very difficult to work out wash trades compared to what we were seeing before because you know, wash trades can now pretty much be on any collection because people can set, create, create a royalties down to zero. So um, that's been a little bit of a strange development that it's very difficult to work out market volumes now across multiple different platforms, but it definitely doesn't feel like we're, we're seeing super high volumes uh, across the NFT market at the moment. Yeah, no, I think we were only seeing about eight something million dollars, right? Um, I think I saw a post on Cyrus's page. It was like we saw eight million dollar volume day on OpenSea, and then um, last year, this same day, Stoner Cats minted out for eight million dollars. That dude, that was. Think about it this way: like, isn't that an insane thought? Because I did think about it when I saw it too. I was like, damn, like there was projects, multiple projects a day minting out like one two three five sometimes ten million dollars a day every single day guys like that's the amount of the total volume like how much did deepak pays uh alien again these you know was it 20 mil something like that i forgot but it was insane when you think about it uh in terms of like when you compare it to like today's volumes <laughs> it's like the total amount of volume used to be like one project minting out on a day so uh definitely yeah. healthy 23.7 million how much 23.7 the value destruction of that period was was insane because part of this ETH but like if you look at what the any collection over 10 ETH barely any of them were from that period right you've got board apes you've got mutants you've got uh, punks but like all of those collections that we we saw the vast majority of them are like Below one ETH, below half an ETH now, or they've just kind of died. I don't, I don't really know that many collections that kind of made it over that period. Even Azuki was a, Azuki minted out this year, right? I think it was a, it was a January, was it? Where it minted yeah, it was out, earlier or? this year. Early, yeah, early so it's it was, and Moonbirds is the same. So it is crazy that like how many projects there have just died. Like so many, so much of the money was lost during that period. Yeah, that was uh, that was an insane time. Uh, it was just it was wild, dude. I, I feel like this is actually like honestly it feels very healthy if you ask me. But yeah, on the NFT side of things though, man, though it's true. Like I mean, genuinely on that, this is crazy. They're like two X from last week, uh, which is wild. Like point eighty two ETH right now. If you look at the 
Slips Finance 24-hour chart um, here. And then uh, QQL is so strong. Just, there's some nice QQLs being minted out every other day. Like, dude, I love that Moonbirds looking one the other day. They, they're really beautiful. I have I really enjoy um, when people share on the timeline uh, the QQLs are creating. A have you seen the, the competition from uh, Kazomo? I did Medici. see something like that. What is that? Yeah, they're having like a competition and uh, Tyler Hobbs is actually like one of the judges for it. But there, it was, I don't know like all the deets, but Kazumo Medici like challenged uh, someone to like a, a QQL battle. I don't know if anyone else heard about that. Yeah, yeah he challenged 6529. It's pretty, it looks like they've, they've been coming up with some pretty hot ones, but it's, it's a lot of fun to follow. I'm going to go follow that. So for any art, art, Art uh, people who, want, who love that stuff uh, definitely uh, definitely go check it out. Looks like Rengal had a big weekend, uh, back up to what one sixty nine, um, and then yeah. that, there's not much more like happening to be honest. Like I'm the, looking at the around. very famous uh, the very famous Pepe collector Jagged. Um, he got hacked. It looks like over the weekend. That was bad. And all all, all of his pegs and I think all of his heads and a bunch of different. Uh, like artworks as well, I think got sold, rare Pepe's. So it was a pretty um, horrific, horrific moment. Although I think there's some controversy about him in general as a collector. I think Zach XBT was like, has already done a thread on him as a collector before. So I, th- I think he's yeah, he's not uh, he's not the greatest. He's a market maker, and a lot of his market maker strategies are very predatory. So people are not like a big fan. Yeah, he's not very kosher. Let's just put it that way. Um, we don't Karma. even know where that, you know, that money comes from. Um, and so, <laughs> so that was that I'm seeing, wow, Jenkins is up 37 and a half percent. I don't know what happened, but the actual Jenkins at the book. Uh, so that's up. Um, I know they're like still going, re- going through the reprocessing of like the Azerbala, uh, art and whatnot, uh, which is actually pretty cool. By the way, after the show with them, I went and checked it out. Um, it's cool. You don't have to actually connect your your, your wallet to that, um, and and you can go vote if you're a holder. So it's pretty good. Um, and then I'm looking at what else is down, like in the smaller caps. But it seems like no. I mean, Squiggles twelve point twenty five ETH. You love this man, dude. I love seeing. I I just love it. Like I I love seeing Squiggles go up slowly. You know the um, the currency. Um, actually, it's pretty cool. If you guys look at um. What they, what's been happening there? Um, you know, there's videos of like Damien Hurst like burning the, the the artworks, and it's like all over the news. It's pretty fun, and like they've been doing these events for currency holders. I, I'm actually pretty curious to look more into that. I think I'm gonna spend some time this week and check it out. I still have mine. I need to migrate them from from Palm. Um, but there's been some um, there's been some some stuff happening there. So that's still at five E. I mean, that's when you think about it, like that the currency is five E right now. It's pretty solid. Like given that they already went through the one year and the burning and this and that. And if I keep scrolling down there, yeah, heads are still one eight. Uh, Forgotten runes, a wizard's called. Actually, I got to get with uh, with Bear Snake, but um, I was looking at what they're up to yesterday. It seems pretty strong, still above one point two ETH, and even their secondary collection is still holding strong above in the point three ETH uh, region. So they're they're doing good. Uh, there's a, there's a you know it's um, there's a bunch of people just just doing good, um, and uh, and I love to see that, right? Uh, I mean, you guys, the red guy and, and DJ, but also some very low volumes, right? Dude, yeah, exactly. Very, very Despite low the low volumes. volumes, like you, I mean, you guys. So I was looking at your stuff over the weekend because I know uh, Ovi tweeted about uh, the 160 reports you've you know pushed out so far. Um, so I was just looking at your guys' floor prices and whatnot. You guys are holding strong. I mean, we're holding strong. Philo stuff is holding strong. The paint, uh, it's good. You know, like it's um, 
it seems like you know all these teams that are just like working it out over the over this market are just like look the floors are not pumping like crazy but it's happening uh, i know fuck render has a lot of stuff going on with lucidia so that's up uh i think it's launching at the end of the month and he will be coming on the show as well so stay tuned for that uh you love to see it uh the gutter the gutter cats is still above five ETH. like they've held really like you know i'm just like mentioning these 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 all these things because i'm scrolling down and all the small caps like they're still like you know you love to see it that's all i'm going to say you love to see that happening uh and some products just holding that so anyways let's move forward from the market let's talk about the main topics today um I know there was some board yacht club and proof meetups. I don't know if you want to quickly tap on that Mando, but then let's talk about the topic of the weekend, which was Magic Eden going full zero percent. We do have Ryan, thank you, X on stage. We do have these. We do have quite some people on stage. I want to talk to about that. So Mando, do you want to talk quickly about these meetups? Yeah, there's nothing really much to say. It looks like the the board yacht club founders did like an impromptu meetup in Miami. A lot of like pictures of them with holders. Um, it's just how it's just tall a... is Gordon? I mean, He's massive. Bro, the guy's like, there's not a single picture where he's not a head or two above anyone else. No, everyone like, else in the space is just really short. Yeah, that's true. We <laughs> shout out to the short kings out there. <laughs> I think I think it's just interesting to see like how that project and maybe even Moonbirds as well how they've progressed over the last twelve months, where the founders are actually trying to be a bit more in the community than they were progressively as like recently they started tweeting more and now they're trying to do more meetups and obviously have eight fest and that wasn't the case 12 months ago like we barely even knew we knew what they they were but it was very much like a non-project and that was to a large extent that's kind of happened with with proof and proof collective like they've been doing these meetups as well and versus some of the other projects where like the founders are seen less and less and less uh, over the course of the last 12 months and that's not necessarily a slow rug but it's interesting to see the divergence between that and i do think that's a good trend like i'm not saying founders need to like dox themselves or anything like that but the the idea that you're seeing them perhaps being a bit more front-facing is definitely i think a, a good a good sign i love that i mean it, holders are happy right like dude like i mean you went to the kevin rose's meetup right he, he was on the show and then he's like yo i'm coming to portugal and you went i mean looks like you had a good time i saw some pictures of you were there but like you know and there was, seems to be some good the london meetup i don't know if you went osef but dude they shut down a pub bro that looked fire um they there was a bunch of people there you love to see it right and and i was actually genuinely impressed because like i saw kevin rose tweet like back in america already and i'm like what the fuck like the guy did like five cities in five days or something <laughs> and came back but dude this is good right and there's a lot of holders in europe we've been talking about this a lot right uh us three in the back end about trying doing more stuff in europe because there's a strong like you know following base there but you love to see it like i, I love that you know i think no founder is 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 is, is like bigger and better than than their holders and whatnot and it's good to see you know people you know just generally go out there and and and, and meet with people like you know some people really look up to them so it's uh you love to see it uh you love to see it i think everybody kind of shares uh this uh this thought when it comes to these meetups so yeah hopefully more meetups more events i saw osf you tweeted over the weekend what events are happening uh over the next uh the 2023 so if anyone has a calendar send it over our way <laughs> and then we'll see where we can go because i know we're talking about uh taking a gm nft show on the road so we kind of want to go everywhere you know we're trying to trying to host everywhere meet people you know do some cool stuff with rug video djs and whatnot so um it would be fun over the year 2023 to really take that on the road and and, and go meet people out there so it'd be fun but anyways anyways let's talk about this this next topic if you're ready about this, Magic Eden. Magic Eden 
drops a bomb on Friday night. <laughs> it's so funny. They, they just like they had to post this at like on Friday at like 11 p.m. You know what I mean? Like this is like this is so weird to me. But anyways, Magic Eating posted a huge thread about how they've decided to go full zero percent royalties on both sides, creators and uh, marketplace fee. So fully zero percent royalty at a pseudo swap, but it's not even an AMM. Uh, but they've gone zero percent. Um, and that's kind of been like the whole conversation uh, of the weekend. Obviously, that's mostly on the Solana side. Uh, I think it pertains less to the ETH side, but we do talk about this a lot. Uh, I see 905 on stage now too. We did have a whole conversation on Friday on royalties uh, and the report that he's put together, but they've gone 0%, and obviously it's uh, brought out a lot of conversation uh, around the whole uh, space again one more time. So Mando, Osef, I'll go to you guys first. Uh, to hear you guys' thoughts. I think I've shared my thoughts a lot on the timeline, and people are probably tired of hearing me talk about it. So I'll go to you two first, and then we'll go around uh, the stage. I'm really curious because we do have, you know, Ryan, we have 959, we have a lot of collectors on stage too. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts, Mando Ovi? Yeah, like it's a, it's, a, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a tough one. I think you have to separate it into two different things. The first thing is... Um, given the fact that it's not enforceable by smart contracts, like, is this a direction that we can see this, like, whole royalty and industry um, uh, taking? Which I think the answer is yes. Do I like it or agree with it? The answer is no. Like, I think um, creators absolutely deserve to get paid royalties. I think, um, you know, I don't need to keep saying the same things over again, but we all know, like, you know, creators like Ugalaz, et cetera, have funded their whole business model on royalties like even for our projects that we put on events for our communities in real life stuff they're funded with royalties so when you strip that out it creates like a huge um i don't know competitive advantage for those pe- projects that are well funded from having either raised through through vc financing or projects that raise a lot of money from their initial primary mint i think a lot of people out there say and people who are like pro get royalties going to zero say hey well this aligns like um, incentives for collectors and creators, especially if creators hold back suppliers of a, in lieu of having royalties, and um, they then ha- like have the same incentive to like benefit in the upside of it, and they they had the same incentive to like try to drive value to the return of that collection. I don't think that's completely fair because I think that this actually incentivizes people to make more from the primary mint itself, and the primary mint is when you actually. Um, haven't done any work and taken the most amount of money and that's the most like the highest risk for collectors and the most value extorted so i think that's actually what will happen if you if you have zero royalties across the board i think that's the the big risk um i think the second thing is that actually like volumes are whether you like it or not are actually very correlated to project performances like sure if a project lasts for one month has good volumes and then goes away then those guys can walk off with that money but how's that any different to like someone doing a mint um a t0 mint and walking up for that money like it's not any different but the projects that like actually make a lot of money from royalties are those that have sustained um activity levels like they have creators that are actually working on stuff and like at the end of the day like you get more royalties if the value of the project goes up like people are incentivized to do that so i think people often like forget or misunderstand that with regard to pfp projects and then the final thing is like well you have to think about well, like artists right think about one of one art like what's the solution of, of a single one of one right there's no way to counteract that. So I think um, uh, that is like, like this whole um, situation was like great for artists. It's like, cool, artists can actually get 10% royalties and get paid for the future value of their work. When you strip that out, you're definitely taking out a feature, which was, I think, a good thing for artists and creators and not really that bad a thing for collectors. Um, at the end of the day, look, I think you have a lot of, I think what's happening here is you have um, a lot of like 
degenerative de degenerate traders who all they care about is flipping and, and profit maximization. So they are obviously incentivized to have zero royalties. And the second thing is you just have this race to the bottom with the lower tier marketplaces who are like, okay, now we're going to have zero royalties to try and get more market share. And then look, guess, guess what? The next thing is going to be 0% marketplace fees. And the next thing is like, these guys have ended up raising it like way too big a valuation and all their investors are, are fucked. And actually it's their investors who are probably pushing them to do this in the first place. So um, I think these guys will end up shooting themselves in the foot. Um, and I think unless you can enforce it by smart contract, which is a possibility going forwards, um, we probably are headed for like a zero royalty environment, but probably for like PFP stuff and not for artists or one-of-ones because I think they get collected on actually better quality curated platforms. But um, I don't think I've just said anything new or groundbreaking there. Uh, and yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's where I stand on it. But what, what, is, what is your, like, what is your stance? Like, are you, do you think this is the right way to go? I know no, you, because you're, no, you're, you're an don't. artist. And so forget the art side. I think, you know, we had people on, I'm going to pin at the topic. Yeah. And we posted a while ago, the creator, like his view on royalties. And I, I strongly like agree with him. And I like his like thread this week. And I'm going to try and find about like, we're switching more towards like a buyer's premium. Um, and, and so I like that. So you're an artist, but as a collector, like, or like even put the collector aside now, because we, I know yeah. for the artists, but like on the PFP, like, what are your thoughts? Like, let me, let me put it this way. Even as a collector, I'd rather pay, five percent royalty to the creator then i would pay two and a half percent to the marketplace that's that makes I sense it. i agree with that that's the way yes. i see it okay i like that manda what are your thoughts here i know you have uh, strong opinions as well on the royalties yeah look uh, I, I mean i just feel like we've had this conversation so many I times i know bro i'm so tired of it <laughs> what, what, I, what i don't love about it is that i keep on seeing people like conflating different arguments as like ways in which nft projects will progress and i feel like that's muddying the waters about like how we can go forward um and it's maybe maybe linked to the next like conversation we were going to have about um external revenue streams but um i personally don't see a world where zero royalties is is good for us in any way um i think you'll end up with uh the different models being being talked about uh, you either end up with like large concentration of ownership by uh, by the initial um, by initial teams, i.e., they keep hold of you know ten ten uh, percent or twenty percent, uh, which can be good, but also can be very bad. Like it, it, it's they can end up dumping on you down the line, and it can be not not a great situation. Um, it's just kind of an overhanging thing for a project. You end up probably with higher mint prices up front, and I personally don't think that 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 is a good alignment of incentives with the original core founding team. I think if you're, if there's this concept that external revenues will be able to support NFT projects, I think that leads you often foul of like securities issues. If you say, look, we're going to get some sort of external revenue and that's going to help like push up the floor or that's going to help return funds to NFT collectors. I think that's when stuff starts to feel particularly if it's part of like the original founding strategy that can make it feel far more like a security. And I think that's, that's, you know, not, not going to be a, a great scenario to be in. And I also think that it will lead to a brain drain of creatives and entrepreneurs that come into this space. And again, I, I think we'll make more clear when we talk about the next, the next stage, but if you take away this model, then I personally think that if you have a great idea, I don't know why necessarily you'd go to NFTs for funding. Um, 
So I think it's one of the core reasons of why NFTs work as an ongoing um, funding proposal for Web3 businesses, because there's an incentive from the founders to keep the NFTs uh, valuable. And uh, at the same time, that's, uh, and that's like, an, and it provides, you know, an ongoing revenue stream for them. So if you take that away, founders, they're less incentivized to like, to continue to keep the NFT valuable after it's minted. And they might also see that there's very little need. Like, why, why am I going, why am I using EVCs for funding my great idea in Web3? Um, they might just see like, I might, might as well just go traditional funding routes. So I think it really does screw up the entrepreneurial spirit, which could be brought in through, through something like this. So I, I'm just like not a fan of it at all. Um, and I think personally, I think it's, um, if you if you make it difficult or you make it like it optional for people to do it, then I think that that will make it more likely that you see people decide to pay zero re- uh, royalties. Like um, like I think I think we should be trying to funnel as many people to uh, appreciate the original royalties that creators wanted, rather than these marketplaces trying to subvert that um, in ways that they can. I think like, <clears throat> like I understand that they have to stay competitive because they were losing a ton of market uh, market share. But at the same time, like what I don't like is when a marketplace is flip flopping. Like you have one of the most important. Com- it's like what I like about OpenSea is almost like the fact that they've not really done anything and just the competition has been like eating like itself down to zero. It's funny to me because it's like, yeah, a lot of people complain about two and a half percent, but they can go next to Y two pseudo swap or it looks rare even get rewarded for shopping there, but people are still choosing to shop here. And what's funny with that is like, is like, because I rather have a platform that's not flip-flopping between the two. That's what I was talking about all weekend long. It's like, I understand why they need to do that, but at the same time, you can't go like three days ago, say, yo, we're never going to go 0%, delete that tweet, and then go back and go 0% just because you're trying to catch up with the market or listen to Twitter. It's, it's so weird to me. Like you have a multi-billion dollar brand, just like doing whatever the fuck some Twitter people are telling them to do. That's just kind of how it feels to me. And it's 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 just like, it doesn't sit right with me. Uh, that's what like had me like all heated up over the weekend, which is why I spent way too much time on spaces, which is probably why my face still hurts four days later. Um, but it's just like, that's what it is for me. And it's just like, I think like, even a lot of people are saying, well, is OpenSea gonna be the next one with 0%? Like personally speaking, I don't, I genuinely don't think they would. And the thing is, I genuinely think that new art entrants and market participants that don't necessarily have like the same like, you know, um, experiences like we have because we've traded a lot, we've bought a lot and whatnot, will generally want to pick a marketplace that they trust because of the brand and the marketplace that offers them a reason to use a 2.5%. I'm not saying OpenSea does because they don't right now, but like what if like they bring out tools that will make you want to pay that percentage? It's almost like a subscription fee you're paying by paying that percentage and let's say they, they lower it a little bit. So it's just going to be interesting to see like where that goes. It's just, that's what I think like, and I was tweeting about the ecosystem over there, like like hurting itself and beating each other up because it's like, well, you're looking at this from our side, like we have a lot more to hang on to than just like a bunch of projects that we're flipping. You know, we have art, we have you know, a bunch of different things, which is cool. And then you look at an ecosystem, like they just like, it looks like it's like burning itself to the ground by just fighting. And then you have the marketplace coming in and like putting the last stab. Now OpenSea had to remove all Solana projects from their like, uh, not they didn't remove the Solana project, they just have to remove like the top like thing, like whatever it is, the, um, the, uh, the rankings. 
because it's all Wall Streeting now. And it's like, it's going to mislead the new consumers that are coming to the space that aren't necessarily listening to the shows or listening to spaces or reading Twitter because not everybody's on Twitter, though we think so. It's still an eco chamber. And they'll come in and see, oh, wait, that project is doing like, is up like 2,000%. Let me buy it. And then next thing you know, it's a drainer or it's a wash trading or it's, it's it, and they're going to go to zero and lose their money. So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. But thank you, X. I know you have strong opinions on this. You're quite the artist. So what do you think of all that? Yo, yeah, no, um, I, mean, yeah. I have many, GM, I have many thoughts. I agree a lot with OSF. Um, I think that like one thing, I don't know if, if you've worked a corporate job before, like the main time that people get fired is a Friday evening after work um, so that it doesn't disturb stuff. So I think that that was like a planned thing that they wanted to make it happen. And like they wanted it probably to try and go uh, under the radar as far as hate and stuff like that. Um, at least that's my, my thought on it. Um, yeah, definitely because they forgot that we never fucking sleep so um, <laughs> especially on the weekends bro <laughs> exactly yeah um look i wish i didn't pay attention to twitter on friday nights right like <laughs> unfortunately i do um no i think that there was a lot of bad things that they did and i look i believe in change and adapting and you know the reality is that a lot of artists came into the space with the promise of you know the royalties and obviously that's always been uh avoidable by like pseudo and stuff like that but I think that that's why we partnered with marketplaces and, and trusted marketplaces because they were at least doing it. So like, yeah, you could do it, but not everybody was savvy enough to figure to like do that. And the majority of people were still using the platforms, right? Um, I think that they also mis like led everybody there. They didn't, you know, define art versus PFP stuff. Um, and look, the reality is in this market today, in this, in this like climate and, nfts and twitter uh, or crypto it's like you get hated if you have a higher mint right so like if the idea is that like you should focus on the primary people are going to hate on you for having a certain price if you're trying to like sustain a business here and like like i'm only talking as an artist so like i'm assuming this is you know what pfps will have to do is like maybe sell for a little bit more so that they can you know do what osf does with throw parties and, and stuff like that and not have to bank on on you know the secondary market um so you get hated on that for sale price, right? And then you also get hated on if you're selling your own supply. I think just like if you look at the stock market, right? Like if Evan Spiegel from Snapchat dumps stock, it's headline news and everyone's worried about what's happening. So, and it's like he gets scrutinized for it, you know? So that same thing happens here. Like you see people selling their own stuff and people are like, why are you dumping your own project? This is bad, it, you know, whatever. So I think that there's just a lot of um, like, like messy signal or uh, messaging. And um, I didn't like that. And again, like I'm not, I don't have the answers cause I'm just, I'm not a marketplace. I'm, I'm an artist, but I, I definitely will not. I look, I still technically hold the highest one of one sale for art on uh, magic Eden, but I fully regret working with them at this point, And I would never work with them again um, with how they have handled this if they had done it in a certain way and like consulted people like early on, I know for a fact they were talking with a few of you people on stage about consulting. They were talking to me about consulting. And then they kind of said at one point, like we don't feel like we need to pay any consultants, which I think is fucked up because we have very busy lives and we want to advance the space, but we think our time is valuable. So they decided to not do that. And then instead in their tweets, they said, we consulted with, you know, many projects, da, 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 da. I've yet to see one um, artist 
that they've consulted with uh, personally. So I think that's a fail. Um, also, I just think that like their messaging was very much like draw a line in the sand and like, fuck you. And, and not like open to like listening as much. If you went on the Twitter spaces, first of all, their social media person is a complete asshole. Um, you saw a few months ago, them just trying to constantly pick fight with like the board ape community, like open like all this stuff. And then they would just get ratioed super fast. Cause everyone's like, dude, you're fucking lame. Stop doing this shit. You're not like Wendy's fighting with Burger King. This is a different space. And so on stage he was hosting. Damn, and... Ryan is spicy on this morning. And it's like 8 a.m. for him. Yeah, it's 8.19. I'm watching cartoons with my son, but I had to chime in. Wait, no, um, what were you watching? I'm watching, uh, it's called uh, Bob the Train. It's a very weird hypnotizing show for kids. I don't know how to explain it. It's just some weird shit. But um, uh, yeah, and then I just think that like, you know, there's people coming on stage and if they had a good point and a good like argument of why the way they were doing things was wrong, not even necessarily like what they were doing, but like how they were doing it, um, you know, the team would be like, okay, cool. Yeah, well, we got to move on, you know, da, 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 da. And like they would either remove them for stage or just like kind of talk over them and silence them. And I just think that's not cool. Like if you're hoping, like hosting a town hall, then like let people talk and the people in the audience were pissed because they're like let that person talk you know anyways that was part of it um also like the argument that they're like losing uh, a lot of market share it's like what's what's a lot of market share like if you look at the entire market the market is down so like okay i don't know like that that like does anybody have the number of what actual share they lost of the market I think they were down all the way down to like 50% from like uh, from a very, very high up there. Maybe NFT statistics, Punk9059 has the actual better numbers when it comes to that. Do you have them, uh, Sam? Okay, I so- sort of do. It, it, it's hard to tell, though, because they said like they said on the call that like, you know, Zero Royalty had 50% of ETH market share when that's just not even like ETH just hasn't made that move at all yet. And on Magic Eden, like when I look at Flipside and the data here, it's, you know, they got down to like 75%, something like that. But they had one day at like 63, but they were saying 50. I don't know. I t- I t- I'm, I'm talking to their data scientists at, at Magic Eden try to understand better like where the discrepancy is. But I do think the, the, like Magic Eden just is paranoid about market share. You know, they used to have so, a leaderboard on their website that like showed off that they had like 95% market share and they've taken that down since. But like these guys are just, they are very paranoid. Yeah. But you know what then? Maybe look inside your business instead of what's happening outside. Like, if you looked at like, maybe, maybe it's the team, maybe you start shaking things up a little bit. Like if this was a real company, they wouldn't just like change the enti- their entire way of doing things and then like be rude to the community. They would look at the inside and be like, okay, let's look at leadership. What's going on here? How can we change things from within? You know, um, I think that like, I'm look and just full disclosure, I, I'm like very in touch with the team. I have like a group chat that's very constant with the team. As soon as this happened, I reached directly out to them. I told them my disappointment they're they weren't receptive to anything um i'm supposed to get a on a call with like the founders uh two days ago they've flaked twice and i'm 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 the type of person that like i don't want to come on stage and like fully blast a, a big person in the space but like i would ideally like for everyone to come up with something that makes sense and and grow the space but um they just have kept pushing things back and pushing things back and so i just think that um I think at the very least they're just handling everything wrong. Even if like, even if I'm the the minority saying that like I believe in royalties, you know, like I get it. Like people don't want to pay the fees. I totally get that. 
Um, and again, I've never launched a 10 K project. I'm a, like, for the most part, I'm a one of one artist and not like a, you know, big supply guy. So, um, I can only really speak on that side, but, um, personally, I would not work with magic Eden directly, um, in any way at this point. And yeah, that's, I guess, I don't know what else to say, but that's, that's the kind of my view on it. I think that they do have a chance to kind of like figure things out and, um, do things right. I also do want to point out that they're, their 0% market fee was only presented, I believe, after the, the pushback. And they, they have stated very, very heavily that that is temporary. So not it's not yeah. permanent. So that is temporary until they fix things. I do have to give them one credit over the weekend because I know we're like we're, we're, we're going in heavy on that. But um, they it seems like there was multiple threads as for how they're like working with different teams in order to like uh, develop some tools. And I saw threads. So I do like that. Like I do like perhaps that is causing a conversation. And then it's going to push people to figure it out. Kind of like, let's, let's, it's kind of like, fuck it. Let's go like against the grain, which will force us to find a way to fix things. So I don't want to be that guy. that's just like, you know, especially here, like we have to be careful with our words and they can have impact and whatnot. So it's like, I do appreciate that. Alex, I see you joined I, here. I do want to say one thing to go that ahead. though. Like, go ahead, I just want to say, yeah, yeah. So no, I agree with you, right? Like they, it, I do think that their intentions are probably good. But I just think that like if it just comes down to leadership. It's the execution and, like, that you don't like. It's the execution that I don't like, and it's the response of like it's like the defensiveness of them. Um, and uh, God, what, you just said something that what was it? Oh, the, like for instance, like their million dollar you know uh, reward for whoever figures this out. And you're saying like, yeah, it's cool that they're willing to figure this out um, in public. But then like the problem is that they drew the line in the sand and then they're like, like oh, okay, who can erase the it's line It's a flip-flopping for me. Oh, you know, all I got to say is if you can figure out this tool, it's worth a lot more than a million dollars and you can launch your own why marketplace. You... So why the hell would you give it to them? Like, yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. Like, it, I know. It. It's like outsourcing uh, all of y'all's brains for, for nothing. Yeah, so don't give I hope them if you develop the tool, at least you'll get that bag. <laughs> if you've but, developed the tool, get a bag. They've raised $130 million. <laughs> if you develop the tool, you could be raising that in six months. So... Keep that in so, mind. Yeah, and then you know, all negativity, you know, beside beside all negativity, I just want to say good morning to everybody, and uh, it's you know lovely to be on Rug Radio. And Dude, shout out to all the GM. GM to you. I oh. saw your massive painting. I cannot wait to to for you to show everybody what you're up to next, Ryan. Obviously, I'm a big fan. But let's go to Alex. It's, we we don't see you on the show every day, but obviously you're always welcome. I know you and I were talking about this a lot uh, on your show. I think it was Saturday, right? With with Threat Guy. And uh, and over the weekend, I know you have some very strong thoughts here. So, what what are you what are your thoughts on on Magic Eden as a whole going zero percent, and and the flip flop in there? Because I know you're more involved on Solana side. Yeah, I'm I'm heavily involved on the Solana side. I'm a Discord dog by nature. You know, I saw <laughs> I, I saw this zero percent royalty train coming a long time ago. You know, Magic Eden, you know the cash cow. You know, they don't know what to fucking do. They're running around like a chicken with its head cut off. And they're about to explode. That's where it's. That's what's happening. Magic Eden is going to probably go zero. They're going to get replaced by marketplaces that are more driven to do these types of things. They're the problem with them for Roke at the moment is they, and then then they started launching rug and like yo, you should probably like slow down the launch pad type of shit. You're getting everyone fucked over. And then they're like, oh okay, we'll do that. They did like a two week pause. Then immediately scamos came over to the and, and they just fucking hard rugged off of the fucking magic. So kudos to them. Just continue to make the same fucking mistakes over and over again. 
and then the insta listing shit, and then the, the fucking royalties, and then the blurring the entities. They just fucking are just back and forth, back and forth, fucking over everyone with their magic eating stick, shoving it up the fucking consumer's ass time and time again. And I think the consumers are starting to reject them. That that's that's where we're at at the moment. You know, they used to be number one, but now I mean, they are sounds, done. To be honest, that sounds like utility to me. I have to say, I dude. First of all, this was great, Jazz. You're gonna clip that for sure. Uh, but second of all, <clears throat> second of all, um, dude, like. That's kind of like the sentiment I got. I think Alex is not just kidding when he like says it that way. Like I know it sound comes up funny with the soundboards and all that, but like it's a lot of flip flopping. It's like we're gonna go brick your NFTs, but never mind. Then we're not gonna go zero royalties. The tweet was deleted. I posted that. Then we're going zero royalties. Then we're this. Then we're gonna that. And then it's like I don't know, man. It's just like I feel like we don't have like we do talk about the zero percent royalties on the Ethereum side of things a lot, but not as much. It's like. It's like, and I think because like on the salon side right now, it's mostly just mostly about about flipping and and degening and and just like trading uh, the the PFP assets and whatnot. I'm not saying it's not happening here. Just on a gambling casino and all that. And you see most projects like hit the fucking wall and went down like 99. percent So it's hurt a lot. But there's much more uh, to that. So it's just like I don't know. I don't know what the future holds uh, for Magic Eden. Uh, but it's uh, and, and the Solana ecosystem was whatnot. But it's gonna be uh, it's gonna put a lot of pressure on the projects for sure um, to raise um, to, to to figure you know external sources of income, which is not necessarily easy at first uh, for everyone. And I don't know, like a lot of people just don't have it together. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting uh, to to follow what happens there. I don't know if anybody else has some thoughts here. Nine oh five nine. Simon, go ahead. I just want to put one thing quickly. First of all, like no one's right or wrong on this. Like we're so early in this stage that there's a lot of examples being done. But the number one thing that I do think is right is artists should always get royalties. Like we've said that a million different times. Uh, but obviously, we're in a different discussion here. What's going on? And you know, we're in such a nascent stage right here. Where if we like Mando hit it spot on. If we get rid of the royalties here. Will take away so many people and companies and potential, you know, massive. I, I I call them unicorns. Eventually, that could be built here that will not come because we're losing this new model so early. Um, my biggest concern. I've I've seen the no royalties and marketplace raised to zero for the last year. But what I think is really going to start happening is we're already seeing it. These marketplaces are going to continue to feature projects. They're going to develop them internally, and it's just going to become owned by the marketplaces. And then what's what's really different? It's like we're getting, you know. A, a company that is developing stuff and selling us directly. It's like a, a web three version of Netflix or Amazon or Apple, where they're just pumping out different projects for us weekly. And, and that's my biggest concern is if we take away the royalties, how are they going to make their money? And that's through marketplace fees or, you know, actually being a part of the project itself. I think they just want to raise a higher valuation. I mean, let's call it's it what true. it is. I mean, you guys fucking, a lot of you guys angel invest on this stage. Come on, let's not kid ourselves. Like Mando Osef, you guys are, you guys do a lot of consulting and investing and all that. Designer, you do some angel here and there. Like, let's be honest. Like, and I mean, Sam, you've worked at Uber before. You're early there. You've worked at, you've worked in Hong Kong. You, you know the financial game. Like, let's be honest. At the end of the day, like, it's all a game of like how much volume we can on a platform and how much money we can raise on the back of comedian culture. Like, that was my thoughts over the weekend, and I hate to see it. Like, I just hate to see like projects and people capitulating to marketplaces. Uh, and doing what they, they say and they want. It's just like, I think like, I, I was impre genuinely impressed with the Zuki community that went forward and voted on XY2 to disable uh, optional royalties. Now, is that sustainable over a long time? I don't know. But I was impressed that they put that forward and that they voted against the, dis the uh, disabled 
that the optional royalties said, no, fuck it. Like we want people to pay the royalties to the team. Now I know this may not be scalable or might not be able to do that to every single project and whatnot. And, you know, it seems like the race down to zero is inevitable. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's been conversation for a long time, but you know, I think that there's other ways to, to, to incentivize people to want to pay that, zero, that, that fee, right? Like we have, we have high royalties on Rogue Radio. We're seven and a half percent when you look at other projects and then on OpenSea, you have an extra two and a half, right? So we have this thing, right? But, People, if they want, they can. I mean, you're welcome to go buy our NFTs on PseudoSwap or the other platforms that give us zero percent. It's cool. You're still going to be part of the family. Still going to be part of, of, of the ecosystem we're building because you're a holder at the end of the day. So that's all I care about. But if you want to help the business, because at the end of the day, that that you know fees go back into a DAO and it helps us build everything we're doing. Well, you're welcome to. But if not, whatever. I'll figure. We're figuring out other ways to, to to market and monetize and build a business out of this. So it's just like, you know, I think it's more about building this culture, right? Go ahead, Sobi. Hi, I, I really love this conversation. I think part of it is oh, like... Oh, God. I love you, Sobi. Um, <laughs> the king has entered the room. We have quite the stage go. right now. I'm not going to lie. This is, this is quite the stage. And it's I just want to say, by the way, Sobi was one of the people that helped me get into the Solana ecosystem when I did work with Magic Eden. He was a Solana Maxi. I'm the number one Avalanche Maxi. Now he's an Arbitrum Maxi. This guy's got me confused. I'm though. the number one influencer across all blockchains that actually uses them. Sorry, Alex. It is. <laughs> it is. But the, an interesting thing that I think about, like, this Magic Eden thing is on one side, I actually think Alex does a good job of, like, calling out how fucking stupid a lot of these soul collections are. Like, no one, none of them actually do anything. So I think it's a little bit different going from the ETH side where, like, you know, when we were, <clears throat> when we were at Basel or at FTFC, you're at all these events, all these activations, and all of those are paid for in part because of royalties. Like, that Doodles activation was awesome. And then I think even these these projects themselves are noticing, hey, like, we can't like stay we can't keep doing the things you want to do with royalties so they go and they raise vc capital which is a whole nother problem because it feels like there's just this huge amount of incongruency uh with with nfts communities and token holders and how everything flows back i think there's that's still a massive problem that people need to solve like i know ray put a lot of work into the project that they're launching with like allowing people to get equity exposure and stuff like that and i think rug radio is doing a wonderful job and like flowing back value but those are like outliers, right? I think as far as like PFPs and stuff go, it's a little bit different. And so that I think that's an important context to remember. But then on the other side, the thing that I found most discouraging or even made me not want, want to even like listen to people's arguments for the 0% royalties was that Space Magic Eden did where they incorrectly pushed this narrative of like, oh, yeah, like 0% marketplaces have significant market share on ETH. Like that's – no, they don't. Right, like I, I will trade things OTC with people, and yeah, I'm sidestepping a royalty. But it's the reason why I'm doing something OTC is because that's the only way I can find a fucking buyer of liquidity. It's not I'm doing something OTC because I care about the fee. I don't. I think most people would agree uh, like that. And even for punks, like punks are, I think the largest per volume traded collection, and there's zero percent royalties on there. But they also held some, and then they did the Mebit sale finance them. I think Mando had a good tweet the other day saying like. The, pre the what this sets as the precedent is horrible but secondly like let's move away from collections for a moment and this is something that soul doesn't really have with like artists like the whole point of this shit the whole point of why this is a better model than like traditional art and all this stuff is one it solves the matching problem right so it's easier for me to find buyers and sellers the markets, be markets become more efficient if you're like a person like me that buys a lot of sneakers and trading cards in real life You'll notice how difficult it is to operate on the sell side. You have to go get your things, get them authenticated, then you have to find buyers, and it's, those things have gotten a little bit easier over time, but it's still a significant problem. 
So that's one. And then part two, I used to think about this all the time when, when there was a, a Basquiat that sold for $46 million and the Basquiat estate got 0% of that, right? Most artists weren't very famous during their lifetime. It's a new recent trend where we have people like Ryan that are absolutely crushing like living sales as artists. And I think it's awesome that people are, are putting that value forth there. But a lot of artists, especially marginalized artists like Basquiat, had no relevance during their lifetime. But they spent their whole life creating and putting value out there. Now this value is being extracted by these other auction houses without any of it flowing back to their estates or their families. And I think like Web3 was intent to solve that problem. Now I can understand the argument against a collection, like a collection can go and raise money, VC money, all this stuff. They don't, they may not need your royalties, but an artist sure as hell fucking does. Right. So it's, I think it's kind of a, there's a, two different sides of this stuff. I think on the soul side, yeah, these collections don't ever provide any value. Like let's, let's be honest. Magic Eden is just absolutely dick riding Frank and D gods. Cause that's their number one collection. And they're just appeasing them. But Frank also raised $6 million off of D gods original mint when Soul was $200 and they sold for three. Then he had eight to nine months of insane royalties. There's even a 33% bitch tax that they applied to any time someone sold under floor, which is literally punishing you for selling your own NFT, but then we're sh shifting the perspective and saying something else. And then they go and raise $7 million from dust. And they're, while they're, all the while, they're still generating dust and dumping dust. And Magic Eden is also an investor in Dust Labs, so that's a little interesting. And all of a sudden, like, we're doing a free mint on Magic Eden next week, right? And now we're not going to get royalties from that mint. And we're lucky that we raised, you know, $13 million. And we're already thinking about, we're, we're already building a game, all this stuff. But how, how are people supposed to, I think free mints are the future. I think people that build communities should be able to, like, reward those communities with free mints. And then they should monetize on their royalties because that's how you, like, bring back value. But if you're eliminating that model, and don't give me the bullshit of, like, oh, the, the fee is optional now, the royalty is optional Dude, if my taxes were fucking optional, I would never fucking pay them. Everyone would do that. You, right? Hey, I heard you don't pay them anyways, though. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> case of Happy tax day, everybody. Happy oh, tax yeah. day. Oh. It's a beautiful day to get my filings in. Dude, I got my filing and they fucked me, man. But it's all good. What I'm just saying is, like, it's not a race to the bottom if you fucking start at the bottom. Right? It's just, it seems like a very short-sighted decision to not lose market share. And at the same time, Magic Eden, uh, I forgot what the aggregator was called, like Hypershift or something. Hyperspace. Uh, Alex puts it together with Diaperspace and Tragic Eden. I'm not going to lie. He's Diaperspace and Tragic Eden. Nicknames. <laughs> Dude, that's a fucking bar, right? And then they partner with like Coral Cube, all this stuff. They do all these things that are just so frustrating and, and short-sighted. And it's just like, what are you guys doing? And I think it really is to just stay market share until they raise another round. Also, it is very, I do want to point out, it's very easy for them to say we're not going to take our uh, platform royalty or percentage when they've pumped and dumped, you know, mm -hmm. and gained from, from actual scams that, like, they helped promote, you know? I think, I think the main thing here, though, is that, like, what's, uh, what people are saying is external revenue streams will replace royalty payments. Um, and for me, that's the thing that I just don't really understand. If you start replacing royalty payments with external revenue streams, there's this idea that, oh, you know, they'll be forced to innovate, they'll be forced to come up with ideas. I agree with you that, like, we should be looking to maybe um, encourage our, our projects to do more than just be a profile picture project. But if you're coming up with a great idea, then 
me and Alex replied to me like this will force innovation for me like the royalty payments was the innovation here like that's the change business model that was actually meaning that you could create businesses which rewarded NFT holders while encouraging you to like create a very successful business if you then start like separating it right so we're going to sell how do you how do you do external um, how do you do external revenue streams you're selling like good merch or you're selling goods to people maybe outside the NFT ecosystem that doesn't require the NFTs for the funding bit, right? So like suddenly then your the value for your organization is being separated from the NFTs. So then going forward, like why is there, a, why is there an ongoing um, incentive from founders to make sure that revenue, if all their revenue stream is coming from like them selling merch, why are they then like trying to create value back for their NFT or it's coming from some sort of external revenue stream? So that's why I said that's why trip up security laws because the only way that you could then say that is like oh we're going to use the funds from that to then buy back our floor or something like that and that then becomes you know issues with securities laws so like i question like why if you're going to go in there and say look we're going to create we're going to use the funds then create an external revenue stream which has no then bearing back to the original nft why as an entrepreneur would you even start with the nft you just go to a vc saying i have this great idea can you just fund me and i'm just going to come up with with, with a business on the back of that like there's no you take away the need for the NFT if you take away the ongoing royalty stream. The royalty stream is the end of innovation here. It is like it, that. That as a business model is very different than any other business model because it creates this quasi quasi share like. Um, like obviously we're getting into what is a security or not, but it creates that revenue stream which is quasi like a security or looks like it could be like a security, where. Um, the founding team is, is rewarded for keeping the NFT valuable and the, the, the owner of the NFT is kept value. If you separate that out and say, look, we're going to have no royalty streams and you're just going to create external revenue with that. As that business grows, the NFT just doesn't get tied back to that, that value creation. And there's just no real need for the NFT. It's better just to start with PC funding and all this nonsense to worry about an NFT community. Dude, you know what's going to happen, right? Like, I think Sobi literally came up here and made the best point. And the thing is, like, this is only going to benefit the projects that come with heavy VC funding, that come in with heavy back. Like you said, it, Sobi, you guys have a free mint on Magic Eden coming up, but you already raised $13 million. So you're fine without the creative royalties, though you could have used that for additional revenue and whatnot and, and help build whatever you're trying to do. But then, like, what about the mom and pop shop that are trying to build in Web3? What about the people, like... Us, like, when we first came in, like, we bootstrapped and came in, no VC, we still have no VC. We're not intending to do it. Not that it's bad, we just, we're trying to do it, like, with, with y'all, right? And that, without necessarily dropping a fucking 10K collection every quarter, right? Because you're going to end up like Pixel Vault. You're going to end up like all these, per- all these, and I don't mean that as a knock to that ecosystem. It's just like, you're going to end up in a place with, like, there's 100,000 NFTs. Well, what's going to happen after? Like, you get, like, you get on a royalty per basis, it's like selling a bajillion fucking apes at the mint. Like they were rewarded so well. Like that, I think that's the most interesting thing is that like on a long enough time frame, if you let's say your mint was at 0.08 ETH and now your project's at 100 fucking ETH and when it sells, you get 2.5 ETH. That's the same as selling 30 board apes again, right? To me, that's the most interesting thing is on the long tail, if you actually achieve your business goals, it is like having many primary sales except they're just slightly getting extracted, and you think the person that minted that fucking board ape for like a hundred dollars is is gonna sweat over two and a half ETH being taken from their bottom line? They're gonna be like, no, what the fuck? Like this is all good, especially if the marketplaces are enforcing it, because most of these users like don't care. 
Like, if I list a board ape on the bottom of the floor, people will undercut the floor, right, by usually more than what the royalty percentage is, and that shows that the market cares about liquidity more than they care about the value that's being extracted or being thrown back to the users. So at the end of the day, it's all a liquidity game, and if you see all the aggregators for the liquidity themselves are saying no to the royalties, like, I thought Gabe, you know, there, there is this idea of, like, everything needs to be permissionless and decentralized, but at the same time, I think that should kind of cope. Like, if the five largest collections collectively said, no, we're not doing this, like, you know, I know, Froak, you're the OpenSea intern, so I'm not going to speak ill about OpenSea, but what I'm saying is I feel like... <laughs> no, no, you can say whatever the <laughs> fuck you want about anybody on this stage, fam. There's no... This is... this is. I'm the host of GMNFTs on Rock Radio. This Facts. is the only people I'm fucking, you know? Like, this is the only people who can't talk shit hey, about. I also think that for, for people in the audience who don't know what VC means, it just means very cute. So... <laughs> Yeah, people are saying it a lot. That's what you didn't understand. No, Sobi said, I remember over the last summer, he said it's reverse for culture vulture. Yeah. Uh, but that was that, different. That <laughs> Sobi, well, no, go on, go on. you're on my cap table, then you're very cute VC. I appreciate you. Anyway, I think what's interesting <laughs> is like OpenSea, right? Like they did, and it makes total sense to me when you think about everything's from a business perspective. There's no such thing as like purely egalitarian worlds. If I'm a fucking business and my number one fucking customer is Yuga and they're printing me fucking money, and for some reason, Yuga people can't figure out how to not get fished. Well, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I can to help them so they can still be my friends and still use my product. Right? Like, that's just the way the world works. And so when all these people are getting fished, like OpenSea's freezing assets, all this stuff, I like how they did, how the police report now. But that that's not really in the spirit of decentralization, right? Like, it's one of those things where decentralization itself is a spectrum. And, like, the thing is, yeah, your token doesn't work on OpenSea, but it, you can still go trade it on Luxrare or X2Y2. Right, but those things have less legitimacy. I think like a thing that we forget is in this nascent industry, legitimacy is the scarcest resource. And legitimacy is borrowed from uh, like layers of social contracts. Like OpenSea gets legitimacy because they honor even though there is no way to enforce royalties, they still partake in those royalties and they pay them out to their creators. So they're building their legitimacy. When people were getting hacked for their board apes, they were helping out those holders, they were building their legitimacy with that industry. Now, I feel like Magic Eden has gone the complete opposite direction, and they're like, oh, Frank, we get it. Like, you you somehow built this cult on Soul. Like, obviously, you're just going to keep, you're going to make this a multi-billion dollar project, even though youths have never revealed. We're just going to let us borrow all of our legitimacy to you, say fuck you to the rest of the projects, but at the same time, those other projects haven't really built legitimacy from their own communities. Right, every other fucking day, monkey dial guys are fighting at each other. A fucking Boogles dude is, like, promoting another fucking rug. Everyone's just shitting on each other. Then there's, like, the whales doing whatever the fuck they're doing. And it's just a fucking shit show. Tire Robotics is probably the only legit project, and they built their own fucking marketplace, and Magic Eden told them to go fuck off. Right? So it's just, like, there is no legitimacy from these other projects. Unlike on on the east side, there's, like, a bajillion fucking things happening. Like, Cool Cats, even though they, the shit doesn't really work out, they keep trying. You know, you gotta appreciate that. The Doodles keep doing their fucking thing even though they don't, they don't tweet anymore. The Wizards keep crushing it. Fucking Yuga, Punks, all this stuff, clones, everything. But it's not like that on the other market. But they're not even allowing that to happen anymore. Like, what are you going to do now? You're going to fucking promote another... Like, now all Magic Union's going to do is keep their market share so their statistics look good. Right? Not really emphasize creators. So now, all if you're ever going to be a one-of-one artist, you're only going to ever talk to Exchange Art. You're never going to really deal with these guys. So that's a huge market share that they're missing out. I wonder what keeps... Uh, and and form function. Form function. Let's not forget form function. Oh, and form function. Did they get bought by eBay? Uh, 
I hope so. I'm an investor. That's why I had to say that. My dog. Let's go. But you know what I mean? It's just, it's one of those things where these projects that start off, it's like, bro, I remember, uh, was it Alex? Someone was like talking about the Bubba Goose bit and it was like two, two soul, which is like fucking 60 bucks. And they're trying to make it like an animated pilot and people are like, this is fucking bullshit. So it's just making it harder and harder for projects. Like I like the model of free mint and then you make your money by proving you're going to do what you're going to do. But it's just like, what do you like? What what's left? All you have left now is, hey, we control most of the market, and if you want to make any money, you got to come to our launch pad. We'll do the launch pad mint, and we're taking six to ten percent on the back end, and then we'll also take the royalties on the back end. So all we're doing is extracting value. When you really should, what you should be doing is partnering with people in the community. Like I'd rather, if I was a project that was launching, I'd rather go on Alex's spaces. Then go on like a Magic Eden space and just be like, oh, okay, this is just kind of like corporate. Like it's not the people in the community. It's just, I'm, I'm just flabbergasted by their by their approach. To be honest, I probably shouldn't even be talking about this shit, but whatever, dude. It's just fucking crazy. No, I, dude, that was my thought. I was like, go. I was like, burn your whole ecosystem to the ground, your own ecosystem to the ground, but don't bring it this way. And I actually, totally agree with you. And like, people were not happy about what I said. Like, there's more than just that. Like, the, their marketing lead was like, there's more than just this, but like, there's not. Like, I'm sorry to say it. Like, I'm sure the Solana blockchain ecosystem has a ton of builders and shit going on. That's facts. But on the NFT side of thing, they're literally beating each other down. Um, I saw a couple people up here because we do have to move uh, forward to live art and we have Boris up here. Uh, so I do want to be mindful of them uh, because we do have to uh, move on to what they want to talk about. But I wanted to like offer the mic and the stage to anybody else wanted to add anything. I know Alex, we were clapping. Do you want to add anything to what Sobi was saying? Uh, yeah, the Magic Eden like promotions is a fucking joke. Uh, no, look, I could I could throw Magic Eden on the bus. They they just transitioned down. They went down the wrong avenue. I think they can probably recover, but I uh, I don't know. It's gonna be a lot of pain before they get any type of gain. Like, let's hope they recover. You know, like that's like let's hope they they can come around because obviously, like you know, a big player like failing is not great for the ecosystem. I just hope that they can do the right thing and figure their shit out. And start playing, uh, or start acting, you know, properly. Sam. Yeah, you know, the one thing, the one thing I was thinking, and this is a bit of a different angle, is Magic Eden did launch a tool to protect royalties for creators, and they just got destroyed. Like, you know, they, they had that blur tool, and I don't want. <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of opinions about that too, but. I, what, like what what's jumping out at me is a little bit about what Alex said. How these guys were the community company. These were the, the loved company, and anytime you get big, people start to hate you, and you have to know what you stand for. And that's just the most important thing because the hate's going to come, and you have to know what you stand for. And I think like I just I just sense that they weren't used to this level of hate. You know they. They were so loved for so long, and they launched a tool to protect creators. Everyone started protesting by blurring their profile picture. The next thing they did was they, you know, they're like, I, I guess the community doesn't want this. So then they buckled and went the complete opposite side, uh, and they got destroyed again. And you just got to know what you stand for so you don't get pushed around like this. Because once you get big, like, people just stop liking you, and you just got to be ready for that and stick to your gun. So that was one of the big things. The second thing that jumped out, and I think everybody here who has a big Twitter following knows this, 
is that like if 50% of people feel one way and 50% of people feel the other, you're going to feel attacked no matter what because it's the side that's angry that's going to scream and yell and dominate your feed. Even if there's just 5% of people who dislike you, those 5% are the only ones you're going to hear from. So I don't know. It's a difficult world. And like I said, the only cure is to know what you stand for and to stick to that. Yeah, just, just the last thing on that, though, like also users don't know what the fuck they want, bro. You know what I mean? It's like the Henry Ford quote. If I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. That's why you got to know what you stand for, not listen to them. You know? why, exactly. Right. They need to stop listening to whatever everybody's saying, like everywhere. Just like if you have a business model, you raise $140 million. You clearly know more than motherfuckers on Twitter. All of us, including myself. And, and if you think about it, like, okay, the hater voices are always going to be louder, right? So, like, maybe people are hating. And, look, maybe us you know speaking our mind we still could be the minority you know what i mean so like they still just have to like you said is know what they stand for and just keep going with that and, and double down on it now they're they're bringing back their platform fee at some point right like i think it's zero right now but they said that that's temporary like so at some point they're going to be collecting fees again but you know it's hypocritical to say that oh we're going to be collecting fees but we're not going to give royalties to the, the creators of the projects it's just the whole thing is just kind of like a shit show yeah, this is uh it's uh it's uh it's pretty uh it's pretty wild. It was it was quite crazy. Like when you go on to I know Alex's space is more catered to Solana, so when you go and listen to what people have to say over there and what they talk about, it's just like it's a lot going on. But anyways, 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 I think this was a really, 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 really good conversation. Uh I'm ready to go back to it. I know Golden's Bro, gonna before it. you before you go to the next thing, I'm gonna bail. Um I just wanna show all you guys love. Thank you for having me. We love me. you, dude. Um hope, hope like you, the man. best for the space, you know, always. All right. Uh, shout out to all the VCs, very cuties in the audience. <laughs> shout out to all the VCs. I appreciate you. Mwah, 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 mwah. <laughs> so hang tight, everyone. Hang tight, everyone. I'm moving, moving on with with live art, and we got we got Boris Pevsner here uh, on stage, uh, co-founder of Live Art X. Boris, what's up? Good morning. Hey guys, how are you? We're good, man. We're good. How are you doing? I, how, what do you think of this whole conversation, Boris? Well, uh, it was awesome. I mean, this discussion of royalties that you just had, it was great. Uh, very near and dear to our hearts. So, uh, you know, awesome to be on Rock Radio. Love the show. Dude, th- thanks for being here. And, and I appreciate the kind words. Let- let's talk about live art here. Uh, you know, as uh, what, what is, uh, you know, talk to us about live art. What is live art? Because I know you guys are a part of a platform that is, uh, that is you know, uh, specifically, you know, catered towards art and culture. So uh, let's talk about what you guys are up to there and maybe give ourselves a little background of yourself and, and the platform. Sure, sounds good. I'll start and then uh, Gio is uh, is going to chime in right after. So uh, Live Art is, uh, is a Web3 platform specifically for art and culture. And uh, as far as for ourselves, we're a team of builders and uh, entrepreneurs. So if you actually look at us, we've built... 11 companies among us. Uh, that's what the founding team looks like. Uh, but, uh, you know, what's, uh, what really sets us apart is, uh, is our deep experience and network uh, in the art market. And uh, if you look at the team, many of the team came from Christie's and Sotheby's, as you guys know, two of the largest businesses in the, tr- in the traditional art world, uh, you know, which gives us a unique insight into the art market and access to top creators uh, for our projects. So, we started live art uh, to bring these artists, tr- artists who would normally work in the traditional media, to this new digital creative medium, to bring them to this amazing Web3 audience, to bring the Web3 audience to them, 
and very importantly, and tying to the to the previous topic, to change the economics for the artists with artist royalties, which are now under assault, which is which is which is really unfortunate to see. But I'm sure we're going to figure out a way to rectify it. So that's uh, that's what we are uh, up to. Oh, yeah, I should say I'm also a nerd. I have a couple of engineering and computer science degrees from IT. Uh, and uh, uh, started, you know, five companies across different industries: art, transportation, IT, gaming, and crypto. Gio, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks so much, Boris. Um, so I'm Gio. I'm the curator and content manager here at Live Art. Really exciting to be on Rug Radio. Uh, also a big fan of your show. Um, so yeah, I can talk a little bit more about one of our kind of current, very big projects uh, that we're working on. Uh, is when, as Boris said, we work closely with uh, traditional artists in this well, quote, traditional art world. Um, and so this artist, Huang Yuk Singh, is a contemporary Chinese artist. He is one of the most valuable in-demand physical artists in the world right now. Uh, his most recent painting just sold for over $8 million. Um, you know, he's collaborated with Louis Vuitton in the past, and we're helping to sort of translate and evolve his practice into Web3. Uh, so as an artist, he's always been fascinated by this kind of notion of like generative art almost before you know generative art became mainstream his his work focuses on like landscapes and nature and evolution uh he has these beautiful landscape works you know uh, depictions of water and things like that that just transfer perfectly into pixels this idea of sort of like ever-changing hence the name metamorphic obviously with like meta as a nod to to this web3 space um and so we are we we've had our pre-sale of 800 NFTs, which sold out in one minute, and our public sales coming up, the remaining 1,200 works in October. Um, yeah. So Shall that's actually pretty cool. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, sorry. Uh, by the way, good morning, uh, Max. <laughs> GM. So, so I want to talk about what what's metamorphic because I noticed you guys, um, and that's why you guys there's a collab list that you guys allowed uh, gave us as well. So thank you for that. Um, what is um. What is uh and, and by the way, this is really cool. Uh, I didn't know you were all like ex Christie Sotheby's and whatnot. And and I like to hear a platform that's really just like art centric. I, I know Col I think Coldy over the weekend was saying we need more curators. I thought it was interesting. Uh but do you want to talk about what metamorphic is? I was actually curious about that. Yeah, definitely. So so yeah, metamorphic uh, is playing on this idea of change um, and evolution. So it's a collection of generative NFTs. Um yeah, meta playing into this idea of you know, the Web3 element of things, um, as well as sort of the larger picture of the works themselves as evolving pieces. Um, so the first the first chapter, it's a multi-chapter drop, um, the first chapter of which we've had the pre-sale uh, is centered around seven treasures. There's a sort of spiritual element in there as well. Uh, they have different rarities. They're all absolutely beautiful, honestly. I'm so excited for everyone to see them and share them and then to just, you know, like, like you said, create like a sort of curated feed on Twitter, to be honest. I'm really excited for that. Um, but yeah, there's seven beautiful works. Uh, it'll be sort of randomized, which one you get, you purchase the mystery box, which to be honest, in, on its own is also very beautiful. Um, and then yeah, they'll have different rarity levels. They'll all look slightly different. They'll be, yeah, moving in different ways. Um, so yeah. That's pretty cool. And so uh, you mentioned an artist that you started, uh, that you decided to work with, right? It's Wang Yuxing. I, I, I think I said that right, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. And so, and and so, do you want to talk about about the artist and and why you decided to partner with them? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to elaborate on that a little bit more. So, kind of like I mentioned, I guess in the introductory bit, he 
you know, his, his sort of aesthetic practice um, has these sort of generative concepts within them. I think like the sort of ever-flowing, the spirituality idea, his interest with sort of nature, the land. So the seven treasures uh, collection, he, he's got this beautiful quote where he says, you know, that he hopes that everyone finds the treasure within their own hearts. And, you know, so few people can afford, right, an $8 million painting. However, having this NFT collection allows you know, his audience to expand and for so many more people who have wanted to kind of have a part part of him, part of his artwork are now finally able to. Um, so he's been very keen to kind of increase that closeness and the close relationship between, you know, a collector and someone who, who owns his artwork. Um, so that's something that, you know, we were also super interested in. And, you know, I think it's just fascinating to, and like a real privilege to work with an artist who has so much integrity in this space, right? We've seen lots of artists try and use Web3 in various different ways. And I think, you know, Huang Yuxing's really interested in using the blockchain as a medium. And I think that kind of, that sort of like truth and pure kind of passion and art practice comes through loads in these digital works. Um, so that's, yeah, something I'm personally really excited about the collection. Those are really cool. For anybody, I know I'm going to pass the mic to Mandel right now, but if you want to look at the pinned tweets uh, from Live Art, we, we just put them out there. We also put in the 20 metamorphic uh, allow the spots that y'all gave the Rogue Radio community, so we love that. Uh, but those are really sick. Man, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah, so I just wanted to... Uh, I actually just saw how incredible some of these look. So, so how exactly is the generation done? Are they are they pre-generated, or have you done it, like, on-chain? And then maybe give a bit more details on, on like, what exactly is the mint, what is it going to be? Um, that, that, that might be useful. Yeah, thank you. So there... The generated works, um, as you mentioned, and the, so the pre-sale happened three weeks ago with the 800 NFTs selling out in one minute. Also, thank you so much for saying they're really beautiful. It's nice to see them. Uh, they look incredible. Yeah, they, they do, yeah. Mando was texting yeah. me the back chat and I was like, yo, these look crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. And yeah, it's exciting to see, I think, this new sort of aesthetic, right? Like people, I think particularly from the art world side of things, have this preconceived idea of what, you know, an NFT looks like, sort of thinking about PFP projects especially. So it's cool to see this sort of like, yeah, digital art coming coming through in these ways. Um, but yeah, so, so the public sale story is coming up um, in October soon. It will be revealed very soon. We haven't announced the official, well, yeah, the final date yet, but it's coming soon, very soon. And there'll be 1,200 works for sale. Um, so yes, I definitely recommend signing up um, the the pre-sale sold out in one minute, so you don't want to miss out on having these beautiful works in your collection. Wow, this okay. is sick. I love that. Good, Mandel, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to... So there's already been a pre-sale. Now we're just doing the the, 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 um, the main sale, which is going to be in a few weeks. Um, did you say what the price is going to be? Yeah, so the, the price of the public sale, they're 1.5 ETH each. And something I should say as well, so it's a multi-chapter drop. Uh, so this is just the first chapter. And then we've got at least two preceding, yeah, proceeding, sorry, proceeding chapters coming up afterwards. Um, and there'll also be, yeah, the chance to, for more airdrops and also physical works as well. Um, so, yeah, lots to, it's, it's a long journey, this project, which is very exciting. I remember we had, we had Vils on the show who also sells like a lot of different prints on the side as well in his prints trade for a high, high value. Do you, know, do you know roughly where like prints um, of, of the artist trade, just, just to give people a little bit of a context? Uh, I see the value of his, his physical prints. Um, well, so for, yeah, for some context, his most recent painting sold for $8 million. Um, and his paintings, yeah, frequently selling in a multi-million dollar mark. So 
like it's you know to be able to own a piece of Wang Yuk Sing like this for you know 1.5 ETH is like pretty astonishing I think to be honest and you know it's not just the work it's it's the community element as well you know where we're building out a pretty thorough roadmap as well so it's yeah it's an exciting thing to be a part of um also it's great that you mentioned Vils so Live Art also works with uh Vils's NFT platform Ephemeral Eternal as well so we're pretty yeah plugged into all the all the kind of nft related things happening in the art world so great to hear that too yeah it's just it's interesting the reason why i asked prints instead of wonders ones is it's like this is a huge bit of what art artists often do uh, in real life as well and these these always surprise me how high these always trade in the in the in the in real life art world as well so i, I think this business kind of moving on to nfts is just it you can be added to in a, in a much bigger way. Like when you start adding in utility and the idea for airdrops, the idea for, you know, um, I think with Vils, they even have like a metamorphosis kind of change in, in the, in the, uh, in the artwork itself. Um, I think, I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how that, that whole industry kind of moves into uh, NFTs and digital art. Absolutely. I, I also want to add, this is an interesting segue. Uh, we have a product. If you go to liveart.io and, 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 uh, uh, click on analytics, you will see it, that uh, tracks the uh, tracks the art market quantitatively. It's sort of like the Bloomberg for the art world. And uh, uh, there are about 300,000 artists that we cover. And for every artist, we show you there are about 10 million data points that it's based on, which is basically pri- uh, public sales at auction, as well as some of the other transactions that have happened uh, within, within, within every artist's market. So uh, as you look at an artist's market, you will see the aggregate uh, in aggregate how, uh, well, first of all, what the artist has sold, what are the different themes that the artist has explored in his or her work, but also whether our art market is moving, whether the market for that artist is moving uh, across different kinds of art. So that could be one of one, just for instance, paintings of sculpture or sculptures or editions or uh, any other type uh, or category of art that the artist may be active in. So for uh, many of these artists, now there is a new category of art, which is digital, which opens up, as you just mentioned, completely different possibilities, right? So where prints uh, would be, uh, say, limited edition prints, you would do a thousand, edition of a thousand, but they would essentially be all identical with the exception of the number. Uh, Here, there would be a thousand, or in this case, 2000 generative, uh, kind of like prints, right? Well, they're digital, they have motion, they have uh, all sorts of additional dimensions, they have rarity, um, uh, but essentially they're multiples. They're multiples, but they're also unique. This is something that cannot be done in the traditional um, art medium. And that's one of the reasons why artists are flocking to digital. So traditional artists are exploring this new medium uh, because it allows them to express their artistic ideas in ways that no other medium allows them to do. And of course, on top of that, there is the economic incentive, like we just, like you guys discussed previously, um, you know, because of the royalties and uh, which, which in the traditional art market are not accessible, and uh, in uh, the digital art market, well, so far are, and hopefully will remain this way. So that's uh, uh, another dimension of what we do, right? When we design a drop for an artist, it's a traditional artist, has never done anything digital. When we introduce a a digital project uh, into the artist's market, right, it's it's important that it fits. It fits price-wise, it fits aesthetically, it fits with the artist's uh, kind of cultural significance of, uh, in this case, his works. 
uh, it fits with the audience, it fits with respect to the price point that different segments of the audience uh, would find appealing. So when we design uh, a Web3 project for a Web2 artist, for a traditional artist, we take all of those factors into account. And because we have this quantitative uh, kind of substrate for the traditional art market, uh, we, we're able to use this data to properly bring an artist to market to, to the to market and to web3 audiences and that's very important because from the artist's perspective they want to make sure that their art market is supported by this uh, web3 digital extension and for the uh, community it's important to understand that there is price support for whatever uh, for whatever price uh, the NFTs are trading at and the price support effectively comes from the traditional art market for that artist which you know we give we give the community access to through our analytics tools. Yeah, I think that's a big thing, and that's that's super useful because I think it really helps. Like when people see that sort of where these sort of prints trade, uh, like you said, most prints are, are are not really unique in the same way that often these are done. So um, I think it gives people a lot of comfort. I think in when these sort of very very big well-known in real life artists start moving into web three if, if you have that database that's super useful i think for for um people who are kind of tentatively getting into collecting you know in real life famous art artists through digital art i wanted to ask this to finally like on the on the level of um ongoing like token access are you are you building a community based around the actual platform or is it going to be on the artist level or or, or maybe both like have things been defined about maybe stuff that might even be coming forward with with the artists in particular or, or um yeah maybe, maybe a bit of detail on that so we have a, a we build it uh, in a variety of ways so there is a community um you know we also <laughs> we also have um a physical art trading um platform which is kind of like which is a peer-to-peer -peer art trading platform so there are a lot of uh, there are about a hundred thousand uh, art buyers of actual physical art of basically the same artists that we're bringing to Web3. So that's one part of our community. The second part of our community, which numbers in about, about 400,000 or so, is uh, uh, Web3 um, NFT and art collectors. So uh, that community is extremely active on Discord, on Twitter, uh, and on Telegram. And uh, uh, that, that's, that's, that's the community that we are most closely in touch with. So for every project that we do, uh, you know, we do a lot of, sort of communications and outreach to this community so that, uh, you know, to, for many of them, uh, the artists that we're bringing to them are, are new, right, not familiar. So uh, we do a lot of presentations of the artists, figuring out, uh, helping them to understand that artists in the context of the, of the overall art market and so on. So that's the second category of the community. And the third category is um, uh, outreach to uh, communities of our partners. Uh, you know, we have a lot of you know, very interesting investors like Binance, FTX, KuCoin, OKX, etc., Hashkey, uh, Animoca. So all of them um, have uh, their own uh, communities of NFT and art collectors. So we work with those communities very closely as well. So really what we do for every drop, for every project that we do, we put together, it's almost like a custom kind of community, almost like custom distribution strategy for uh, which parts of the various communities that we have access to, either ourselves or through our investors and partners, 
or through our physical art trading operation would be most interested in that particular artist, that particular drop, that particular project. And then it's that segment that we work with uh, in the context of every project. We do a lot of projects now. We launch almost uh, one project a week. Not all of them are as um, kind of large and multi-chapter like Huang Yixing project that we just talked about. But, uh, uh, but, but you know, there are a lot of them and uh, different projects um, are presented to different segments of our community. This is really cool. I mean, this is really awesome. And, and I love that you were, we were able to, to, to have you guys on the show today. Um, and, and to talk about that, I was digging into your platform a little more and, 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 and on the, and the work, on the work of Huang Yusheng, which is really, really incredible. Um, I guess to close this off, you know, maybe you want to talk about like, what are you excited about the most with live art? And maybe like, if you want to tell people like, you know, where to, where to, where to find more information and whatnot when it comes to your platform and, and where to stay tuned, uh, so that they can really, um, really like, you know, stay in the know with everything you got coming up. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, um, you know, our business is, is actually very simple. What we do is very simple. It's bringing uh, blue chip artists uh, that work in traditional media and uh, and iconic artworks that they produce or have produced over the years to Web3 audiences. So it's very easy to state. Uh, it's much harder to do. And so every day for us is a learning experience uh, for how to work with these traditional artists to make them relevant and appealing to Web3 audiences. We you know, get a kick out of it. We really love this. And uh, uh, what we love about it is both working with amazing artists like Huang Yuxing and uh, working with a really exceptionally supportive community of Web3 collectors that we have developed over the last 18 months uh, and, uh, of course, partners and investors. So uh, so that's what we're excited about. As far as getting more information, uh, Gio, let's, uh, let's give out all the numbers yeah, and links. Yeah, so, um, yeah, to, to reiterate what Boris said, it's like every single day and every single week we're kind of bringing new ways or like finding new ways of bringing art to, to Web3 and it's super exciting to just be a constant part of that, uh, I think. So, yeah, keep keep uh, keep up to date with everything we're doing on our live art Twitter and please join our Discord. That's where we've got a, a fantastic community, super engaged community there of, you know, art, crypto lovers, fans, collectors, artists so yeah it's a great place to be a part of and we've also um on instagram as well and telegram uh, if you check out our twitter that will also take you to all of our various networks as well um, but yeah please join thank you there you have it y'all check him out live art if you're listening on replay on all the other platforms on which the show is going to be broadcasted on by end of day uh live art x l-i-v-e-a-r-t-x on twitter here thank you boris thank you geo uh for coming today uh, and I'm glad we could uh, close the show up with, with, with your segment here uh, because it's cool. And it's kind of like we were talking riffing off on royalties and art. So it's kind of cool to – it was kind of the perfect segue, not going to lie. It really was. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Big shout-out, as usual, to my co-hosts, OSF and Mando. Well, guys, what a show today. Uh, this de- conversation definitely took a turn. Uh, Sobi always the great takes. It was fun to hear this side of Alex, too, uh, chime in back and forth with Sobi. Obviously, thank you, X. Awesome. I'm going to go back and listen to the show. Uh, Golden Crypto, as usual, is going to post a thread uh, about the show. And then we're going to upload on all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you know, Amazon, YouTube, and all that. Remember, by the way, give us some five stars, y'all. All right? Go, go, go rate us some five stars and share it. I swapped the link tree in my personal bio 
Uh, I know Linktree is your favorite, Osef. I hear that. Uh, in in my bio is a is a link to our show across all platforms, so it's easier. I thought because I always mention it, so you can just catch it there. And this and by end of day, like usually the same day, we upload the shows. We have quite a week ahead, so it's gonna be fun. And I'll see y'all tomorrow morning at ten thirty a.m. Eastern Standard Time, seven thirty a.m. Pacific Standard Time for another episode of Jam NFTs on Rug Radio. Let's go. And it's a beautiful day.